Thanks for tuning in to Dream City Omaha, where we're all about helping each other discover Christ, recover identity, and uncover purpose. We hope this message impacts your life, and be sure to like and subscribe for more. Today we're going to get into the Word, and we're, we're starting a new series. And the, the title of our series that we're starting today is called Recommit. Somebody say Recommit. Recommit. To, to commit means to devote oneself to or to, to pledge oneself to. Uh, as we, we talk about recommit over the next few weeks, what I want us to do is I want us to, to talk about the vision, the mission, the values of, of this house, of this church. For some of you, it's recommitting because we are we are doing it again, right? We are, we are devoting ourselves to again. We're not forgetting the mission that God has called us to. For some of you, maybe it's not, maybe it's not recommitting, but I think for some of you, this is, this is committing because you're new to Dream City. You you're, have just begun, begun coming in the last several months or the last year, whatever the case may be, and you haven't really had a chance to to say, this is what I'm committing to. I want to give you an opportunity to commit and the rest of us to recommit. We're, we're looking at vision. We're looking at mission. We're looking at values. What is it specifically that God is calling us as Dream City Church to do? Where are we going and what does that look like? How many of you guys want to know where we're going? Three of you. Okay. How many of you guys want to know where we're going? Okay, good. All right. So uh, I got the right crowd today. Um, so that's what we're going to be looking at. That's what we're going to be talking about. We're, we're going to kind of, it's going to kind of be one of those family conversations where we gather around the table and we ask the questions and we have, we have the conversations and we, 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 we look at what God is calling us to and where he's, where he's leading us. Commitment is one of those things though, I think is, is hard for our, some of us in this day and age. Like, you know, we're very skeptical what is the fine print? I don't want to sign another two-year contract on my phone because I don't even know what that means. And so we are, we are skeptical when it comes to commitment. We recognize that we have, many of us, overcommitted ourselves in so many other things, in so many other ways, that one more thing to commit to just kind of gives us pause and, and reason for concern. Um, last week, my, my son had his first basketball game and he, he's not playing for the school. One of his friends had asked him, you know, will you play for this team with me through the YMCA? And he's like, you know, rather than, rather than, than playing for the school, I just want to have fun with my friends. And so he told his buddy, he's like, yeah, who else is playing? There's like seven of us. And so he's like, dad, can I play? And of course, we're encouraging him in that. Like, yeah, you can go play. You know, we'll be there. Have fun. It's going to be good. Whatever, blah, blah, blah. Well, a couple days before the game, we had asked him, like, who's, who's the coach of this team? And he goes, well, we don't really have a coach. <laughs> I'm like, well, how do you not have a coach? How are you a team without a coach? Like, didn't have, somebody have to, like, sign you up? And he's like, yeah, my friend signed us up. <laughs> like, no, no permission slip, no adult signature. He's like, well, my friend's dad signed the paper as the coach, but he doesn't know anything about basketball. So he just signed the paper so he could get a team, but we don't really have a coach. And so last Saturday was his first game last week. And so we're like, okay, this is going to be interesting. 
angel in her positivity was like, this is going to be a great experience. Me and my competitive, deliberative nature is like, this is going to be a train wreck. <laughs> so we get, we get to the game and there's seven of them sitting on the bench. They don't know what side of the court to warm up on. The other team is there doing like layup drills and passing drills. And our kids are sitting there on the bleachers just like, well, game starts and, and the other team goes up quick and they're up by like 20 points at halftime. Our kids don't know how to sub in. They don't know when to sub in. Like there's two of them sitting on the, ble on the bleachers just like chugging water, haven't seen the floor yet. And then five of them on the court just exhausted and gassed. Like sub in, hello, they need a break. There's no coach to tell them that. There's no direction being given to these individuals who are trying to accomplish something together, but really are hindered because there's nobody there to tell them what's going on. No direction given. So they're down like 25 at halftime. It's ugly. It's, it's bad. And inside, I'm just like, oh my gosh. And Angel's empathy kicks in and she's like on the verge of tears, crying, looking at these little boys without a leader. And she looks at me. <laughs> and she looks at the team. And she looks at me. And she looks at Jace walking off the court at halftime. And she says, baby, you need to go coach them. I said, listen, I'm not going to go coach them. She said, John, they need a coach. You need to go. You need to get up and walk across this court right now. And you need to go coach them. And I said, hey, I'm not going to coach. She said, John, they need you. She said it like that too. She said, they need you. I said, they don't even want me. Like, how do I, I'm not just going to throw myself in there if they don't want me to coach them. And she says, oh, they want you. She said, they need you and they want you. She made eye contact with Jace across the court. And she says, Jace, do you want him to come? And Jace is like, uh-huh. She goes, see, he needs you. He's like, I don't know. He wants you, John. You need to, you need to go coach them. So I get up. I walk across, I walk across the court and I was like, all right, guys, here's what we're going to do. And I had like three minutes to give them some kind of training and instruction and then sat there with them the rest of the game and coached them. And then after the game, the kid who had signed us up for this league without a coach came to me. He's like, can you coach us every game? <laughs> He's like, well, you know, most Saturdays I'm, I'm pretty free, so I think I can probably do that. He's like, awesome. We have practices on Tuesdays and Thursdays as well. Can you come to those? So I just want to say thanks for committing me to being a basketball coach for the next 12 weeks. Like, when does this, when does this league end before Christmas? Please tell me that. But it's, it's something that now, now I, have, I have committed to. And, and really, I tell that story for a couple different reasons. Number one, the... the the need for somebody to provide direction, the need for vision, the need for clear communication, the need to know here's what we're doing and here's where we're going because without that, we're all just lost. And the Bible tells us that and we'll get into that in a little bit. But, but today, as we look at the vision of the church, I want you to understand that the number one as a church, as a group of believers who are dedicated to the teachings of Jesus Christ and living according to his word, every church, every believer, whether it's a group of believers or believers as individuals, we all have the same mandate from God. 
Every church's mandate is exactly the same. And Jesus gives us that mandate in Matthew chapter 28. And he tells his disciples before he ascends into heaven, he says, therefore go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit and teach these new disciples to obey all the commands that I have given you. This was, this was the mandate given to the disciples. It was the mandate given to the first church. It's the mandate given to us as believers. And it's the mandate that we as Dream City Omaha operate under to this day. Every church, every believer from the time that Jesus walked this earth till the time that Jesus comes back will operate with this as their, their mandate to go, to make disciples, to baptize them, to teach them to obey the commands that, that God has given them. That's the, the mandate. Our mandates are the same, but the visions will be different. A vision is a specific picture of where we are we are going. Every church has, has the same mandate, but, but that might look different in their context, in their culture, with what they're gifted and equipped with what specifically God is calling them to do. And it's the same for us. Our, our vision is specific to us. Vision is, is so important. Helen Keller, who was, who was an author, who was an activist, she, she lost her eyesight at 19 months. And she was asked one time, she, she was asked, what would be worse than being born without sight. Helen Keller, you've been, you've been, you've been without sight for 90%, 99% of your life. What would be worse than being born without sight? And she said, here's what would be worse. What would be worse would be being born with sight, but no vision. With sight, but no vision. And I think there are a lot of us, whether it's in our personal lives that have sight, but have no vision. I think there's a lot of churches today that have sight, but don't have vision. And I don't want that to be us. And I don't want that to be you. As we talk about vision and values, understand that we are we are talking about it from a, from a corporate body, from a, from a group of people that us together, this is, this is our vision. But, but my hope is that you wouldn't just commit to the vision and the values of this, this house, of this church, but that you would then go and discover and find, God, what is, what is the vision for my life? What is, what is vision for my family? What are the values that I hold as an individual? Because what I value is going to determine what I do and how I act. So that you wouldn't just take this and say, yes, I can commit to that as a member of Dream City Omaha, but that then you would go and apply that to your own life. Vision is important. The, the, the Bible tells us vision is important. Proverbs chapter 29, which is probably uh, a portion of scripture that's familiar to most of us, says that where there is no vision, the people perish. Where there is no vision, nobody subs in on the basketball court. There is no vision. Everyone's running around like chickens with their heads Cut off. The New Living Translation puts it this way when people do not accept divine guidance, they run wild. And I love the message paraphrase of this and just the wording that it gives us, but it says if people can't see what God is doing, they stumble all over themselves. If we can't see what God is doing in this house, if we can't see what God is doing in our families, 
If we can't see what God is doing in our community, if we can't see what God is doing in our nation, if, if we can't tap into what God is already doing, all we're going to be doing is stumbling all over ourselves, fighting amongst each other with no clear direction, no clear plan, just winging it. How many of you want to wing it at life? None of us. None of us. What's the antidote to winging it? It's having clear vision. It's knowing where you're going and planning accordingly. See, we, we, have to, we have to get back to vision. How do I find vision? Scripture tells us, and, and, and it alludes to that. First, we have to tap into what God is already doing. We have to tap into what God is doing. If you want vision for your life, you need to tap into what God is already doing. Rather than trying to move in a direction opposite from that, say, God, what do I sense that you're doing? And how have you uniquely gifted me and equipped me to, to jump into the stream of your movement? What does that look like for me? What does that look like for us as a church? If, if you're joining us for the first time, maybe you're new to Dream City, I would say that this is probably the perfect time for you to be here. So you can hear what we're all about. So you can hear where we're going and you can make a determination ahead of time this is something that I can be a part of, or maybe it's not, but at least you'll have your eyes open going into it. <clears throat> as we were praying four years ago, leading into to the transition, as, as Pastor Dobie, my father started this church 12 years ago, four years ago. It's crazy that it's been four years now. Four years ago, we transitioned leadership, and myself and an angel stepped into lead pastor roles, and Walking into that transition, praying and, and seeking God and saying, God, what is, what is your heart for us? Where are you leading us? Where are you taking us? God, what, what is it you're calling me to do as I seek to, to lead people who know you and reach those that don't? What have you uniquely equipped us to do? What are you, you uniquely calling us to do? I feel like the, the verse that was really etched onto my heart was John chapter 10 and verse 10. That we as a church, if there's, if there's anything that, that we are going to do, if there's a drum for us to beat, it's this. Jesus speaking, he says, the, the thief does not come except to steal, kill, and destroy. But he says, my purpose, the reason that I've come, Jesus says, is that they might have life and that they might have it more abundantly. Jesus says, the reason I came is to give people abundant life. Other translations say rich and satisfying life. Now, as one who has grown up a pastor's kid, as one who has grown up in church and around church, and I've seen a lot of churches, as this scripture was etched onto my heart, this idea of, of abundant living, my, my question was, why don't then, Jesus, if this is why you came, why don't I see more people living abundant life? Why don't I see that in the church? And why don't I see that from believers? And why don't I see that from people who love you and serve you and are, are committed to you? Why, why is it that so few of us are tapping into this rich and this satisfying life if this is the reason why you came? Why is religiosity over relationship favored and preferred? Why are, why are people who have been saved for 40 years at the first sign of trouble walking away from the faith? 
Why are marriages crumbling and disintegrating within the church at the same rate as outside of the church? Where is the abundant life in the church today? And was praying and and again, God just broke my heart over this idea of, of abundant living. And I understand that, that abundant living does not mean that you won't have problems. Abundant life is not free of, of storms and peril. Abundant life does not mean that your bank account has nine zeros in it. I wish it did, Jesus. Well, that's not... That's not abundant living. You might be able to listen to some preachers online or some in the city that would tell you that that's what the abundant life is, but it's not. It's not abundant of resources. It's not an abundance of material wealth. It's an abundance of peace, and it's an abundance of love, and it's an abundance of joy, and it's abundance in, in purpose, and it's knowing who I am and where I'm going and what God has equipped me and called me to do, and it's walking that out on a daily basis. That's the, the abundant life. And so, so as we were walking into this transition and, and leading into this transition, this is the, the verse that God gave me. I came that they might have life and have it more abundantly. And, and, and my heart is that we would be a church that passes on a legacy of abundance. We would pass it on to our kids and to our grandkids. Now, people who aren't here now, those that are represented by empty chairs around the room that need to experience the love of Christ for the first time, that, that we would pass on a legacy of abundance to them that they would know what it means to, to be loved by him and then to allow his love to flow through them into our community, that they would, that they would know the, the hope that is found in him. And it's not a passive hope, but it's an active hope living and engaging and, and exciting us every single day, that they would have peace in their minds and peace as he leads their lives, that there would be this legacy of abundance that flows from Dream City Omaha. As I began praying into that and okay, like what, what does that mean? What does that look like? How do I communicate that? What is our vision statement? Like what, what, is, the, what is the rallying cry for, for Dream City going to be? We got away as a team uh, recently. We, we took a retreat two days and got, a, got away just to, to think strategically and to, to plan and to put some of these things together and, and evaluate how are we doing, where are we going, what do we need to change. But the vision statement that, that God has given us, here, here's, here's the way that we, we put all of that. We exist. Why are we here? God, what have you equipped us to do? What are you calling us to? We exist as Dream City Omaha. We exist to lead all people from all places into the freedom and fullness found in abundant life in Christ. That's what we're about. That's who we are. That's what we're doing. Everything that we do will always go back to this. Well, what does that mean? First, let's, let's just look at it. We, what is we? We is us. If we are going to do this, it's not just going to be Pastor John. If we're going to be successful in leaving that legacy of abundance, it can't just be John and Angel and Andre and Melissa and the rest of the team and maybe the small group leaders. No, it's we. Who is we? We is we. We is all of us. 
We as those of you watching online right now, we as, as all of us together grabbing a hold of this vision and running with it, making it, it clear for us what that looks like, but then walking that out on a daily basis, it's recommitting to this. This is who we are. This is what we're doing. And if this doesn't sound like something you want to be a part of, again, find me after service. I'll give you five great churches that you can try next week. That's fine. That's fine. I would love and I would be more than happy and more than willing to, to do that for you. My hope is that, that over the next few weeks, you would, you would find that this isn't just something that, that you can commit to. It's not something that you can just be a part of, but it's something that you want to give your life to. I, I want to give all of me to that. We exist to what? To lead people. You exist to lead. You are a leader. Each and every one of us is a leader, not just, not just those in full-time ministry, but each one of us has to become a pastor in one way or another. Here's my question. Who are you pastoring? Who are you leading? I think for, for some of us who have been around church for a long time, it's very easy for us to get to this place where where it's like, well, look at all the things that I've done, and this is just the season for me to take a step back. Listen, there is no season of taking steps back in his kingdom. There is the mission of making disciples. There is the mission of teaching to obey. There is the mission of, of baptizing and seeing lives transformed. And so, so this, is, this is all of us. The question is, who are we, who are we leading? We're leading all people. From all places. What does that mean? That means that when we come in here, we see people that don't look like us. And I love that. Listen, I love that about this church. I love the diversity represented. I love that anybody from any walk of life, from any generation, from any socioeconomic demographic, from any part of town can walk into this church and see somebody that looks like them. I love that. And we, we, we hear that so often. Like, when people come in, it's like, well, what do, you, what, do you, what do you appreciate about Dream City? It's the diversity, and it's how, how loving people are. First of all, I just want to thank you guys, because that's such a blessing to me. As your, as your pastor, that's such a blessing to me that you guys are so loving and so welcoming and so di diversely represented. It, it's something that I appreciate. People come to me all the time like, John, how did you get such a diverse church? I'm like, well... It's not, it's not easy. They say, well, I want more diversity in my church. Like, be careful what you wish for. <laughs> I'm serious, though. And I've said it from this stage before, and I will say it again. Diversity is beautiful. Diversity is awesome. But diversity is messy. Because yeah. different people have different backgrounds and different experiences and different expectations and different preferences and different worldviews and points of view and ide ideas about what should, and so it's, it's challenging. It's challenging to be diverse. And so people are like, well, how did you, how did you get to be that? Honestly, I don't know. I think, it's, I think it's a result of me being Native American. I think it's a result of dad being Native American. I think Native Americans are chameleons. Like, I'm, I'm not even joking. Like, I can step into any culture in any context, and people just like, yeah, you're one of us. I don't know what you are, but I think you're one of us. <laughs> For real. Like, I step in, and people are like, are you Hispanic? 
No, I'm not Hispanic. One of my favorite stories, there was a man that had, had come to the church for the first time. And uh, it, he said, you know, I, I had been watching online. I, I haven't watched in a long time, but this is my first time here several years ago. This is my first time here. I'm so excited to be here. After service, he came and found me. He says, but he says, I was really hoping that the fat Mexican was going to preach today. And I said, I said, who? He goes, the fat Mexican guy. I was like, do you know this fat Mexican guy's name? He's like, yeah, John something. <laughs> That's when I knew I needed to start going back to the gym. But I step, in, I step into different, different contexts, and there's this question, are you Hispanic? Are you Filipino? Are you Pacific Islander? Are you Hawaiian? Are you, what are you? <laughs> and it's fine. Those of you that were wondering, I'm Native American. But I, I, think, I think that's part of it. I think part of it is, is just preaching the gospel not with a bent or a lean one way or the other, but just straight up, here's the word of God. Dad started that, and it's continued, continued through me. I think there are, there are different reasons why, why that is. I think, I think part of that is you guys and making everybody feel welcome from all walks of life because not every church has that, but we do. And it's something that we value, and it's something that we honor, and it's something that we will, we will always continue to protect. And so, so it's we, it's, it's us, it's leading. It's leading all people from all places into what? What are we leading them to? We're leading them to freedom. Freedom from their past, freedom from hurts, freedom from pain, freedom from scars, freedom from religiosity, freedom from preconceived ideas of this is what God looks like, and this is who he is, and this is how he views me. Freedom from those, those lenses that we've placed over our hearts that we view our loved ones through and we view God through and, and have shaped our, our outlook on life in general, leading them into fullness, the, the fullness found in Christ. And then it's, it's in Christ. And we have to understand that there is no abundance to be found outside of him. There's, there's no abundance to be found in ourselves. There's no abundance to be found in the workplace. There's no abundance to be found in the next relationship. There is no abundance to be found in the next degree. There is no abundance, no matter how many letters are before your name or after your name, there is no abundance to be found in anything other than in your Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, and having a personal relationship with him. And it's as we lead people into this understanding and this realization, it looks like us being free people who then go and lead people into freedom. That's who we are. That's what we do. We're uniquely, you guys, you, you guys it's easy to take advantage of something when you don't realize that it's there. I feel like some of us, we, we come into the, we come into the church week after week and we experience the diversity and it's like, oh man, that feels really good. And we take advantage. It's very easy for us to take advantage of it. And then we begin to expect it. And before we, we, we realize it, we, we, it's not even a thought to us. And that's a, that's a shame because not every church looks like us. Not every church has this. 
But as I, as I pray and I think about, okay, God, what are you uniquely gifting and equipping us as Dream City to do? This idea of freedom and fullness is something that we are uniquely positioned in our city and during this time for. I was talking to a pastor friend of mine who pastors a large church and has been around large churches as well and, and spent some time with him. And he sat across the table from us. And he goes, do you guys realize how unique you are? He said, John, with, with your background, with not just culturally or racially, but, but even having grown up in the church and around the church and experienced church and all the right things and all the wrong things and now leading people out of religion into relationship with Jesus. But then your wife who has, who has the education that she has and the experience as a mental health practitioner and the, the unique combination of the two of you to lead people, not just spiritually, but to lead people into fullness in every area of their being. He said, do you, do you understand how unique? He said, I've talked to and I've met hundreds and thousands of pastors. I have never met a pastor couple who pastors and leads with the unique combination that you guys have. And I think about that and it's like, God, there's, there's, there's no coincidences. You do everything for a reason. And so what is it that you're, that you're calling us into? And I think this is this is part of it and understanding that it's found in Christ. So what does that look like? If this is our, if this is our vision, if this is the drum that we beat, if this is what, what we're giving our lives to, then what does that look like in practicality? I've, I've written some things down and I know that I don't typically read directly from my notes, but I want to, in this moment, because I want to be able to communicate very clearly everything that God has placed on, on my heart and Angel's heart and deposit that into your spirit and allow God to work in that. So bear with me, I'm just going to, to read. As I, as I pray and I see God and I'm, I'm asking God, God, what, what are you leading us into? What, is, what, what do I see us moving towards? Here's what I see for us as a church. I see a church full of people radically committed to God, who are passionate about his word, passionate about reaching the lost, where free people are leading others into the freedom that they have found and a church of disciples making disciples. I see a church where you're excited to bring your friends and family because the message is encouraging and challenging, making God's word applicable to everyday life as the standard by which we are to live, where the worship is engaging and focused on glorifying him. I see a church that equips the whole family where kids can't wait to come back and teenagers become rooted in their faith, where the ministry that we do is, is simply an extension of the ministry that you are already doing in your home, a church that is equipping parents to lead their children well, a church where older generations are mentoring and pouring into younger generations. I see a church with a heart for the community that doesn't wait for opportunities to serve, but instead makes opportunities to serve. A church where people are, are quick to grab a towel as Jesus did and wash the feet of those around us, where loving our community wouldn't be what we do, but who we are. A church where people with hurts from their past can find healing, especially people with church hurts. That this would be a place of healing and restoration. Psalm 34 says that the Lord is close to the brokenhearted. May this be the place where they find him and find the healing that they need in their souls. 
I see a church where everyone feels welcome, made up of people from different races and ages as a reflection of what heaven is going to look like. And while we might all look different, we stand united under the banner of Christ, knowing that what unites us is far greater than anything that could ever divide us. I see a church where the gifts and the fruit of the Spirit are on display in ways that edify believers and intrigue unbelievers. I see a church so full of hope in the midst of hopelessness, so full of light in darkness, so unified in the midst of such division and so full of love surrounded by so much hatred that the people in our city wouldn't be able to help but notice. I see a church committed to one another, to loving one another, to honoring one another, in harmony with one another, building up one another, encouraging one another, serving one another, forgiving one another, bearing with one another, comforting one another, exhorting one another, confessing to one another, praying for one another, and all of the other one another's found in the New Testament. I see a church that doesn't compete with other churches as if this is a game to be won, but a church that supports as if there is a kingdom to be advanced. see a church that loves our city, that loves people, does everything that we can to walk in the fullness of abundant life in Christ and bring as many people along with us as we can. That's what I see. That's, that's what I feel like God has equipped us and called us to do. That's what, as I look around this room at all of the leaders that are here today, my challenge to you is to commit to this. Some of you, it's recommitting. Some of you, it's, it's committing for the first time. But listen, this is where we're going. Well, well what, are we going to have a building? All of that will come, yes. I would love and I, I, I foresee in the next four to five years, us being out of this facility, buying a piece of ground or an existing structure, turning that into our own. So we're not lining the pockets of somebody else with a monthly lease every week but we're investing in something that is ours. Yes, you know what the problem with that is? The money's in your pockets. The good news, the good news is that God has given us the finances for that. The bad news is it's still in your pocket. But that's where we're going. That's what we're committed to. That's what, that's what I see. That's what my prayer for us is. God, would you give us such a hunger for more of you and more of your presence? God, would you give us a hunger for your word? God, that you would, you would give us a, a passion that we would wake up and go to bed hurting for the lost in our city, our friends and our families that don't know you. God, would you, would you allow us to tap into abundant living so that we can then convince others to join us on this journey that we wouldn't expect to get to some place someday where we, where we put it in coast and we, we just cruise to the end? No. But God, may I continue on this journey, not committing just to doing this, but giving my life to this. God, this is who I want to be, and this is what I want to do. And if there's any legacy that I want to leave for my kids, it's this, that we love God, that we love people. We're doing everything we can to bring as many as we can with us. That's the vision. That's who we are. That's what we're doing. The mission is the how. How do we do that? Three things, I'm gonna, I'm, and you've heard them. 
Angel mentioned them today. You will hear them anytime anybody is on this stage with a microphone. You could probably re, re, rehearse them. I would ask you to rehearse them, but I don't want to know how many of you don't know them. Three things. How do, we, how do we do this? How do we lead people into abundant living? By helping them discover Christ, recover their identity, and uncover their purpose. That's it. Three things. Everything that we do will be geared towards those three things. Well, why don't we do this? It has to do this. Why aren't we doing that? It has to do this. Is this helping people discover Christ? And understand this is not a one-time thing like Angel said. This is a continuous process because there is more of God's character for you to discover. You will never get to the point where it's like, okay, God, I know all of you. So for those of you that are here thinking that this is linear and boxes to be checked, it's not. How are you discovering Christ? But then how are you helping other people discover Christ? My, my challenge, and the question that I'm challenging you with is who's the last person that you introduced Jesus to? Just, just let that soak. Who is the last person that you introduced Jesus to for the first time? Who are you discipling? Who are you pastoring? Who are you leading? Again, if this is something that we are all to do, you can't just depend on Pastor John to do this. You have to make this a part of you. In your life, discover, discover Christ, recover identity. We are in the midst of a global pandemic. Listen to me. We are in the midst of a global pandemic. And the, the pandemic I'm talking about is not COVID-19, but the pandemic that I'm talking about is this assault on your identity. It happens everywhere and it's happening every day and it's happening at staggering levels. We see it. And, and that's the reason that the LGBTQ plus LMNOP agenda is, is so advancing right now because there is an attack on identity. We don't know who we are, so we just give ourselves to anything. I don't have community here, so I'm just looking for somebody to accept me. Accept me in my confusion and accept me in my state of hopelessness and accept the lost state that I find myself in. I don't know who I am or where I belong, so if you'll help me and you'll take me in, then I'll just, I'll just be with you. There was a, a study that was done recently by Barna, and it was looking at LGBTQ, and really it was studying the, the millennial generation. And it wasn't just LGBT, there were many other things that were included in this study, but, but one thing that surprised George Barna as he, as he did this is he found that of young millennials, those aged 18 to 25, over 30% of them responded as identifying with LGBTQ+. I'll say that again. 30% of young millennials aged 18 to 25 responded as identifying with that community. And, and when he was asked about it, he was interviewed by Newsweek and he was asked about it, why do you think that number is so high? And he says, do I, do I really think that that many are, are really engaged in that lifestyle? I really don't think it's that many. Most estimates and, and conservative estimates put that number at about 16%, which still is astronomically high. 
But he says, I, I think the reason why this particular study came back at 30% is because there are so many people who don't know who they are and have no community that they will, they will identify with anything if it gives them some semblance of identity. And now he said, now it's, it's not just something to be a part of and something to do, but now it's the cool thing to do. And so we're seeing more people run into that, not because that's how they feel or what they think or who they are, but they're just wanting to be loved. If ever there was an indictment on us as the church, where should people feel loved? within these walls. It's in my life. It's as they come into my circle of influence. As somebody engages with me, they should feel loved. But why are people running into this in confusion about their identity? The the number one thing they say is because the church is so hateful. There is an assault against identity. And it's on us to help people recover that because your identity can't be found in your sexual orientation. Your identity can't be found in what hobbies you like to do. Your identity can't be found in your political affiliation. Your identity can only be found in the one who made you and knit you together, and that's Jesus. Your identity is as a son and as a daughter being adopted into his family, created in his image and in his likeness to be a representation of him on this earth. That is who you are. It's on us to lead people into that. If we could get people to to discover Christ and if we can continue discovering Christ and, and lead people into who they are and what God says about them, but first understanding who we are and what God says about us, and then the third thing is uncover our purpose. If we can, if we can live a purpose-filled life and walk that out, what is my purpose? So, so many people, what is my purpose? Your purpose is to know God and be known by him. Your purpose is to glorify him. Your purpose is to be a representation, a reflection of his character on this earth as an ambassador for him. That is your purpose. Your calling is what allows you to do that. We all have the same purpose, to glorify him, to live for him. That when people see us, they wouldn't see us, but we would just be a reflection of him. That's your purpose. How you go about doing that looks different than me. But, but there's so many people that are living just this frustrated, purposeless life. That if we would understand why we were made and why we were created and be able to walk that out, that's what leads to abundant living. It's knowing God, knowing who I am in him, and knowing what he created me to do. And if we together can understand that and walk that out and live that and and be an example of that, people will notice. If you build it, come on, all you field of dreams people, if you build it, he will come. But if we would just live life that way, if we would be those people who come into church, not because it's something to do, but it's because it's who we are. If we would commit to this, to leading people, leading all people from all places, 
into the freedom and the fullness found in abundant life in Christ? Think about the impact that would have on your family, the impact it would have on your friends, on your neighborhood, in your workplace. How would our city, how would our world look different? I think we're uniquely gifted for such a time as this and uniquely placed and uniquely called. We're not like other churches. And it's your fault. (laughs) But listen, here's the truth. We're just a bunch of messed up people, broken and hurting, so full of so much junk from the past that God needs to take from us. So dependent on him and so in love with him. And amazed that every day he calls me to draw closer to him. God, if you're wanting to use us to be a light to our city, God, use us. God, may we have that divine guidance to tap into what you're already doing and just jump in the stream of where your spirit is leading so that we can fulfill, even as David did, your purpose in our generation. Amen. Stand with me this morning. God, we thank you for your word. We thank you for our time together. God, I thank you for this this church, this group of believers. That today as we we hear your word and we, we hear from your heart for this church and for us, God, we're, we're stirred up, we're encouraged, we're challenged. God, if we're honest, it's a little intimidating too. God, I'm thankful that you don't, you don't ever call us into a place of defeat, but where you call us to go, you've already given us victory in. You told the children of Israel, go into the promised land. I will give you victory. And as you, you led them, you did. And as they put you first, you did. We thank you for that. We can't help but kind of feel like Gideon as the angel of the Lord is saying, the Lord is with you, mighty warrior. We turn around and look like, I know you're not talking to me. I'm the least and I'm the weakest. And and who are, God, who are we? We are exactly the kind of people that you are looking for. God, if you're looking for a church to, to start a fire of revival in our city, God, here we are. If you're looking for a church to be a reflection of your heart for the lost in our city, God, here we are. God, if you're looking for a church, here we are. We just want to tap into what you're doing. We are grateful and honored. The privilege and the opportunity to to serve you, to advance your kingdom, that your name would be made famous. God, as we do everything we can to lead all people from all places into freedom and fullness, God, I pray today that you would You would challenge each and every one of us today to recommit to that, maybe committing for the first time to that. Walking out of this place knowing that this isn't just something I can do, but it's something I can give my life to.
God, give us the grace to do it and the strength, the wisdom, the direction, dedication, and determination. This morning, if you're here, you're watching online, you've never committed your heart to the Lord, it would <laughs> be so hypocritical of me today to, to talk about wanting to lead people into relationship with Jesus and not give you the opportunity to call on him as your Lord and Savior. So today I'm going to lead you in a prayer. If you say, Pastor, that's me. I need to discover Christ for the first time. Maybe you need to recommit your life to him. Whether you're here in person or watching online, I would just ask that you would repeat this prayer after me. Church, would you help us pray today? Just say, Jesus, thank you so much for giving your life that I can find new life in you. Your word says, old things pass away and all things become new. Would you give me new life today? Lead me on the path that you have ordained for me to walk. Lead me in all of your ways, according to all of your word. In Jesus' name. Lord, I thank you for those that prayed that prayer. God, as I've taken that next step for them, I pray that you would continue to lead them, guide them. Holy Spirit, reveal truth and lead them into all truth. Encourage them, comfort them today, I pray. God, help us as a body of believers to come alongside them, even as we are mandated to do, teaching them to obey all the things that are written in your word. We love you. We thank you. Help us to go this week, keeping this at the forefront of our minds, knowing that this isn't just something that happens on Sundays, but it's something that we as the church take with us and use to, to lead us in our lives on a daily basis. We love you. We thank you. In Jesus' name, and everybody said amen. Amen. Listen, if you prayed that prayer for the first time, our prayer team is down here. We'd love to be able to celebrate with you in that way. If you have a need in your life, you want somebody to pray with you for, we will remain down here. Uh, just want to encourage you, come on back. We're going to be talking about values. What do we value as a church? Excited about that as well. Be blessed, guys. Love you. Have a great week. At Dream City Omaha, we're all about helping each other do three things discover Christ, recover identity, and uncover purpose. Please check out our past sermon series or online discipleship classes. And don't forget to hit subscribe and the bell for notifications on all of our latest videos.